Felicia, are you moderating? We can't hear you. You're uh, muted. Okay, sorry. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. And let me start over because I was. <laughs> Good day, everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton. I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in the year 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Ewell. And the vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. 
In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given into salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Excuse me. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. 
ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. William Walker, followed by scripture, which will be Romans, the first chapter read by Brethren Clifford Cardozia of uh, Malaysia. Dr. Walker. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Let us all bow our hearts and minds in a brief word of prayer to our almighty provider, Yahweh. We ask that you enter into our hearts and minds and that we respond spiritually to what it is that you will show us during this lecture. We ask these things in your son's name, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll be reading Romans, the first chapter, and I'll be reading from the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by the late A.B. Trainer, Scripture Research Association, reprinted by Yahshua Promotions. It's Romans, the first chapter. Saul, a servant of Yahshua the Messiah, called to be an apostle, separated unto the glad tidings of Yahweh, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of Yahweh with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are ye also the called of Yahshua the Messiah, to all that are in Rome, beloved of Yahweh, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from Yahweh our Father and Yahshua the Messiah. First, I thank my Elohim through Yahshua the Messiah for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For Yahweh is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the glad tidings of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of Yahweh to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That, this, that is, that I may 
be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was hindered hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other nations. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the other nations, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the glad tidings to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the glad tidings of the Messiah, for it is the power of Yahweh unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of Yahweh revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of Yahweh shall be revealed from heaven against all impiety and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew Yahweh, they glorified him not as Elohim, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible Elohim into the image like unto corruptible men and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore Yahweh also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of Yahweh into a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this cause, Yahweh gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, doing that which is indecent and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was proper. And even as they did not like to retain Yahweh in their knowledge, Yahweh gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things, being filled with all wickedness, covetous, malicious, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of Yahweh, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, 
who, knowing the judgment of Yahweh, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but consent with them that do them. I have read Romans, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Walker, for that beautiful prayer, and Dr. Cardoza for the scripture, which was Romans, the first chapter. We wanna once again welcome everyone out to our class tonight. We do appreciate your attendance. We want to acknowledge all our brethren visiting with us from other branches and classes. We do appreciate you. There are quite a few on, so I'm not gonna name you, but we do appreciate you. It is always good to have you on. And before we begin, we would like to remind everyone to keep your video turned off and your volume muted unless you're being asked to speak or to read. And we're going to ask participation from our members on the um, Zoom to read because Doria and I are going to be conducting this green chart meeting. So we'll need um, some readers. So if Yahweh moves you to read, please, please feel free to do so. And tonight, um, tonight is our uh, first green chart of the Pagan New Year. And the topic we're going to discuss uh, today is science of the mind series on the brain. Now, for any that may know, I'm going to bring this over here. Um, the science of the mind, an image of the creator. This was a pamphlet or booklet that was done by the Springfield class at the direction of Dr. Lejeune Gill. And for those of you that know, Dr. Lejeune Gill loved science. She loved all things science. Um, as a matter of fact, this chart here, I'm gonna bring it up here, is a chart that she had uh, painted. Um, it's definitely a chart I would like to go into during one of our green chart lectures. Um, but just to let you know that Dr. Lejeune Gill loved anything that had to do with science. So we're gonna start going through this pamphlet um, you can find this on Lansing's website, but I also will be sending it out to the class after this class is over. Um, it is a nice uh, thick booklet and it goes through um, quite a few things about the science and the body. So without further ado, we're going to um, have Dr. Dorian Lewis begin to read and we're going to start with the introduction um, on the um, on page Four, or I think it's page six is labeled here. And I know Dr. Lewis, you have it, so you can go ahead and read. I'm gonna try and get this a little bit, um, <laughs> I'm gonna try and blow it up. It's kind of hard with this PDF. I tried to save it as a different uh, PDF, but it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So tell me when you're ready. Okay. Hold on one second, Dr. Lewis. I'm gonna try something really quick and see if I can get this to. Uh, get this to work correctly. Let's see. Come up on the screen. We'll see. Give me one moment, everyone, please. No, it didn't get any bigger. Okay, go ahead and start, Dr. Lewis. Felicia, real quick, try uh, hitting control on the plus sign. You might Let's zoom see. it up. Yeah. Yep, there we go. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. Yeah. All right. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Purpose of this publication. The purpose of this publication is to make known a small portion of the abundance of knowledge 
concerning himself, which Yahweh Elohim has disseminated through various fields of science. Science is derived from Latin scientia, meaning having knowledge. Having such a wealth of information at their disposal, scientists would seemingly be the first to recognize the existence and the preeminence of Yahweh Elohim, our creator. On the contrary, the scientific community has broken its collective arm, patting itself on the back for its own accomplishments, never realizing that all knowledge comes from Yahweh Elohim. If indeed it is factual, scientific knowledge must come from Yahweh Elohim, the alternative source being from Lucifer or Satan, the father of lies, John 8.44. The Apostle Paul stated that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in the supernal nature of Yahweh, Colossians 2 and 3. Paul also wrote in Romans 1, 19 through 20, that the invisible things of him, Yahweh Elohim, from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Therefore, it is plain that although the things of Yahweh may be hidden in mystery, the path to understanding has been clearly set forth. Yahweh Elohim, not willing that any should perish, has used science as well as the entire creation to declare unto us the things concerning himself. Hear ye him. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. So that was the introduction to this pamphlet and it pretty much um, states uh, how Dr. Um, Gill had this um, whole booklet laid out. She's gonna go through all the fields of science, not all of them, but quite a few, showing how they all verify the, creation, the creator who is Yahweh Elohim. That's why we had Romans 1 and 19 read. So if, you, um, if someone could get Colossians 2 and 3 for me, That's Colossians 2 and 3. Mm -hmm. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Mm -hmm. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so here, Paul, the apostle Paul or Saul, more correctly, it's talking about all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge which are hidden in the supernal nature of Yahweh. But then, as you can see, she goes on to say in Romans 1 and 19 and 20 that the invisible things of him, Yahweh Elohim, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So those, those treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Yahweh has made them known to us through the creation. So that's what this booklet is entailing. It's, and it's one of two um, that I have. And this one we're going to go through first. And I think um, if Yahweh willing, we'll get to the second one as well. So let's move on. And here you'll see the table of contents. She has, you know, anatomy, art, art. That's why I said anything you want to know, anything that you are passionate about, ask Yahweh to show you how it goes by the pattern, because it does go by this divine pattern of the universe. So she goes through some of the things of science that we all know about in this booklet. So I'm gonna scroll through that and get to our next um, section, our first section. And Dorian, I'm gonna kind of go on mute a couple of times because my throat is very dry. So praising Yahweh and asking him to help me get through this. So go ahead and read Dr. Lewis. All right, I'll just keep reading until you tell me to stop. Chapter one. 
introduction. An introduction to the pattern, we read the scriptures, Exodus 24, 9 through 18, and Revelations 1 and 9 through 18. In order to understand the purpose and plan of Yahweh Elohim, one must go back to Moses when he was called up into Mount Sinai, into the cloud, where he saw in a vision Yahweh Elohim. Moses did not see Yahweh, who in pure spirit form consists of nine divine attributes, intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength. However, these nine divine attributes transformed, underwent a change, into the shape and form of a man, the son of Yahweh, or Elohim, the image of the invisible Yahweh, the firstborn of every creature, Colossians 1 and 18. He is the archetype or original pattern of the universe, see Hebrews 1 and 2 and Revelation 3 and 14. Moses saw him transform into an intangible tabernacle, completely furnished with nine vessels, testifying to the nine divine attributes of Yahweh. John the Revelator, who was banished to the Isle of Patmos, confirms this vision of Moses, see Revelations 1 and 10 through 17. Moses was then admonished to go down from the mount and build the tabernacle, just as it was shown him in the mount, and was told not to err therein for it was a pattern of heavenly things. The articles herein will show how all things must and do conform to this pattern. Okay, so what we're gonna do, Dr. Lewis, we're going to, I want you to read that again. I'm gonna move my section off of the screen and then we're gonna look at the charts as you're reading so that we can get a visual of what is being said here. Okay, start the whole introduction over? Yes, please. All right, chapter one, introduction. Mm -hmm. In order to understand the purpose and plan of Yahweh Elohim, one must go back to Moses when he was called up into Mount Sinai, into the cloud, where he saw in a vision Yahweh Elohim. Okay, so here we're, as you all know the story, but this is our foundation. This is what we always have to go back to because this is where it started. And this is what Yahshua said when he started to explain to his disciples. It said, he said, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things concerning himself. So here we have Moses atop Mount Sinai after Yahweh has led him and the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Yahweh is showing Moses, Yahweh Elohim, who created all things. And he's also showing him this threefold tabernacle pattern. Now, as I was reading a transcript with Dr. Kenley, it, it really helped me appreciate what we call this pattern. We call this pattern the divine pattern of the universe. And we call it that because it is the pattern of heavenly things. Now, Yahweh Elohim in this spiritual embodiment is the archetype or original pattern. So this is the archetype pattern. This is the divine pattern. These were shown to Moses in the mount as Dr. Lewis just read. So continue to read Dr. Lewis. Moses did not see Yahweh, who in pure spirit form consists of nine divine attributes. So here is what, I'm sorry, here's what Dr. Lewis is now talking about. So you see Moses here. Moses is seeing Yahweh Elohim in the superincorporeal form, but Moses did not see or cannot see Yahweh in his pure spirit state. And then Dr. Lewis is going to read about those, those nine divine attributes. Go ahead. Intelligence, wisdom. Mm -hmm knowledge, mm -hmm. beauty, love, mm -hmm. justice, 
foundation, power, and strength. Mm -hmm. However, these nine divine attributes transformed or underwent a change into the shape and form of a man, the mm -hmm. son of Yahweh or Elohim, the image of the invisible Yahweh, the firstborn of every creature. Okay, so, pause right there for me, Dr. Lewis. So um, there was one scripture we skipped and I need someone to get that for me, Dr. Lewis. If you're on Dr. April Lewis, um, I heard you read and I appreciate it. John 4 and 24. And then also um, we're gonna pick up Exodus 24, nine through 18. That's John 4 and 24. Mm -hmm. For Yahweh is spirit. That's right. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So this scripture is talking about Yahweh in his pure spirit state form. This form you cannot see, you cannot understand, you cannot detect with your five senses. That being said, Yahweh had to condense himself or come down to a lesser state in order for his creatures to know him. This super incorporeal being can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations as was stated in the moderation. Now pick up for me, Dr. Lewis, Exodus 24, nine and 10. I'm sorry, nine through 18. Mm -hmm. That's Exodus 24 and nine. Mm -hmm. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Mm -hmm. Nadab and Abihu, mm -hmm. 70 of the elders of Israel, mm -hmm. and they saw the Elohim of Israel. So here they saw the Elohim of Israel. They didn't see Yahweh in pure spirit state. They saw Yahweh Elohim in his superincorporeal form. Continue. And there was under his feet, as it were, paved work of a sapphire stone. And we know that is the earth that they're seeing. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And as it were the body of heaven in its clearness. Mm -hmm. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. So those 70 elders and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Yahweh didn't give them an understanding of what they saw. That's what it means by not laying, he didn't lay his hands on them. Go ahead. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of Elohim. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Mm -hmm. And Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. Mm -hmm. And the glory of Yahweh abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. Pause. Mm -hmm. So right there is where the world missed and us included because none of us knew any of this unless it be for the vision that Yahweh gave Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, which he then shared with us. Right where she paused, where she said the cloud covered it six days, that's where your Genesis one and one begins. In the beginning, Yahweh Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So what we're seeing, what we're telling you about is that Yahweh, the creator of all things, as Yahweh Elohim gave Moses a divine vision and revelation 
showed him how that everything that was created in the universe is patterned after this threefold tabernacle pattern, which is also called the divine pattern. So now what we're gonna do, and as you remember, Dr. Lewis was reading, Dr. Uh, Dorian Lewis, and I'm gonna go to our, what we call our 40 plate chart as a long name that I'm not gonna go through. I like what Dr. Dye says, he calls it series number two, that kind of shortens it even more. But here, if we look at this chart, some reason, oh, don't shift in that control. So here is what Moses saw. So here, this one has the plates in the correct order. Here you have the tabernacle pattern or the divine pattern of the universe, as you can see here. And it's threefold, of course, it's the most holy place, holy plates and court roundabout. But what Yahweh showed Moses was that those divine attributes of wisdom, of, excuse me, intelligence, which is flanked by wisdom and knowledge, beauty, which is flanked by love and justice, and foundation, which is flanked by power and strength. Those nine divine attributes came together in a set order and form. And that's when Moses saw in his vision, Yahweh Elohim, the creator of heaven and earth. So pick up where you left off, Dr. Dorian Lewis. All right. However, these nine divine attributes transformed or underwent a change into the shape and form of a man, mm -hmm. the son of Yahweh or Elohim, mm -hmm. the image of the invisible Yahweh, the firstborn of every creature, Colossians 1 and 18. He is the archetype or original pattern of the universe. Mm -hmm. See Hebrews 1 and 2, Revelations 3, 14. So Dr. April Lewis, if you could pick up Colossians 1 and 18, because as Dr. Dorian Lewis just read, these nine divine attributes came together in a set form. And now this is the archetype or original pattern of the universe. This is the divine pattern because it's physical. It's what was shown to Moses in the Mount. But this divine pattern was patterned after the archetype or original pattern, which is Yahweh Elohim. You have that, Dr. Lewis? Yes, that's Colossians 1 and 18. Mm -hmm. And he is the head of the body, mm -hmm. the assembly, mm -hmm. who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, mm -hmm. that all things... I'm sorry, that in all things, he might have the preeminence among all. Mm -hmm. So what that's speaking to is this, the, this form here. Let me get my other chart. So Yahweh in pure spirit state took on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. You saw those, it said the nine divine attributes came together in a, in a specific order to form Yahweh Elohim. But then what you just heard Dr. April Lewis read was this one that has the preeminence of all. This same spirit took on shape and form and manifested himself in a physical body and especially prepared physical body as Joshua the Messiah. So he is the one that has the preeminence of all. So, okay, Dr. Uh, Dorian Lewis, go ahead and read. Moses saw him transform into an intangible tabernacle Mm -hmm. completely furnished with nine vessels mm -hmm. testifying to the nine divine attributes of Yahweh. That's right. John the Revelator, who was banished on the Isle of Patmos, mm -hmm. confirms this vision of Moses. See Revelations 1 and 10 through 17. Mm -hmm. Moses was then admonished to go down from the mount and build the tabernacle just as it was shown him in the mount mm -hmm. and was told not to err therein, for it is a pattern of heavenly things. 
Hebrews 8 and 5. The articles herein will show how all things must and do conform to this pattern. Okay, so Dr. Lewis, if you could pick up Hebrews 8 and 5. Okay, that's Hebrews 8 and 5. Mm -hmm. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. Mm -hmm. As Moses was admonished of Elohim when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, did thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount? Mm -hmm. So once again, this is what Yahweh Elohim, the Yahweh in pure spirit state, showed Yah showed Moses, excuse me, in this vision and revelation that he was given, that this tabernacle pattern that we see here, this divine tabernacle pattern, is the pattern of all things. So now we're going to go back to the pamphlet, um, the uh, Springfield Workshop pamphlet, and we're going to go through a few examples of that, of how everything goes by the pattern. So the first thing we're going to go through, and Dr. Lewis is going to read, is the supernal nature of Yahweh. And what I'm going to try and do is maybe split this screen because we know we have this in our, uh, in our name chart that we just looked through, that we just looked at. I'm going to go here and then I'll bring it back. Okay, Dr. Lewis. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, you want me to describe the... So here's the first example. We have uh, three tabernacle forms. Mm -hmm. In the first, we have Father in the most holy place, Word or Son in the holy place, Holy Spirit in the court roundabout. Mm -hmm. The second is we have uh, Yahweh in the holy, mm -hmm. most holy place, Elohim mm -hmm. in the holy place, Yahshua the Messiah in the court roundabout. Mm -hmm. And in the third tabernacle structure, we have abstract in the most holy place, intermediate in the holy place, and concrete in the court roundabout. Mm -hmm. So this, what he just read, this is describing or outlining the supernal nature of Yahweh. So as he just read, we have the Father, which is Yahweh, who is abstract, which means you can't see him, touch him, discern him. We have the Word or Son, which is Yahweh Elohim. That's the intermediate state, or that's that super incorporeal form that Yahweh showed Moses in the, in the vision. And then you have the Holy Spirit manifested in the physical body as Yahshua the Messiah, which is concrete. That is one that you can hold and touch and you can, and you can see him. So that is the supernal nature of Yahweh, which is your first John 5 and 7. I won't have her read that. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis, keep reading. That's the supernal nature. Mm -hmm. Now we have the states of matter. Mm -hmm. Again, we have the most holy place, the holy place in the court roundabout in the first tabernacle. Mm -hmm. Compared to the second tabernacle, which is the states of matter, which is gas in the most holy place, mm -hmm. liquid in the holy place, and solid in the court roundabout, mm -hmm. which is then compared to the third tabernacle, which is the earth, which is the core in the most holy place, the mantle in the holy place, and the crust in the court roundabout. Mm -hmm. So you have here, and I won't switch back to the name charts. I don't want to do too much switching. It'll, it'll kind of throw people off. So we always know that gas is a form of matter that is you can't hold it. You can't you can't um, touch gas. A lot of times you can't even see it. You can't even smell it. Natural gas you can't smell. Um, your utility companies place the chemical in natural gas to make it smell like rotten eggs, because if they didn't, you couldn't smell it. I can't right. even smell that. I have an issue where I can't even smell that smell. But that's, that is your gas state. You can't see it, touch it, or smell it. And the only way you can hear it is if you hear it 
uh, gushing out of something that will be likened unto Yahweh in his pure spirit state or the most holy place. Then you have a liquid, which can be held, but it goes right through your fingers. So you can touch it, you can see it, but it takes on the shape and form of any container or body that it's in. That would be like your holy place. Then you have your solid states of matter, which is your like your ice or your concrete things. That would be like your court roundabout, and that would be likened unto Yahshua the Messiah. Now those also compare to the earth, which is your core, your mantle, and your crust. Your core is the inside, which none of us can see. They, they can theorize on what's there, but they've never seen it. The mantle that's under the earth, that's not above the crust, that's kind of in the middle, if you want to say it like that. And then the crust, which is the part we live on and we have our being on, we plant things in that crust. So those are the states of matter and the earth by the tabernacle. So now we're going to go to, and these are just examples in this pamphlet. Now we're going to go to the next page. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. All right. I'm going to go just go across. Okay. Going up Sounds good. Mm -hmm. So we have, again, the three tabernacles in the most holy place. In the first tabernacle, we have the proton. We have and the atom for the first tabernacle. You Thank you. Mm -hmm. The In the most holy place of the atom is the proton. Second tabernacle, we have, well, you know what? <laughs> Probably should just do them all. <laughs> go uh, ahead. It's kind of hard to describe diagrams. All right. The first tabernacle is the atom. In the most holy place, we have the proton. The holy place, we have the neutron. And the court around the bottom, we have the electron. Mm -hmm. Second tabernacle is cell structure. In the most holy place, we have the nucleus. In the holy place, we have, I'm sorry, in the most holy place, we have the nucleolus. In the holy place, we have the nucleus. And in the court around the bottom, we have the cell body. Mm -hmm. The third tabernacle is cell function. In the most holy place, we have DNA. In the holy place, we have RNA. And in the court roundabout, we have ribosomes. Mm -hmm. So once again, all you're doing is looking at these as they go by the pattern. And we always talked about the proton, neutron, and electron. Proton's a positive charge. Neutron is a neutral charge. Electron is a negative charge. And that electron goes roundabout that proton and neutron. You have the, the cell, which is a nucleolus, a nucleus, and a cell body, which is which in encapsulates the nucleus and the nucleolus. Then you have DNA, which is the archetype or the architect of your body. The DNA is what dictates what you're gonna look like, how you're gonna sound, what color you're gonna be. The RNA is the messenger. It, it tells the body what the DNA dictates. And then the ribosomes are what carries out those actions. So once again, you have your three pointing to the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to go down. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. All right, next set of tabernacles we have uh, is showing man's body by the pattern. Mm -hmm. First tabernacle, we have the cranial cavity in the most holy place. In the holy place, we have the chest or thoracic cavity. Mm -hmm. And in the court roundabout, we have the abdominal cavity. The middle tabernacle, we have spirit in the most holy place we have soul in the holy place and we have body in the court roundabout and in the final tabernacle we have spirit in the most holy place we have water in the holy place and we have blood in the court roundabout mm -hmm. so once again these these items that we just talked about as you can see and you remember from our name chart they all point to the unity of the spirit they're showing you from a physical standpoint or Romans 119 and 20, how your creator is made and operates. 
He's not three different distinct individuals. He is a unity. He is universal. That's why we have a universe. It's one verse, which is Yahweh Elohim Yahshua. It's not a trinity. So all those examples you saw that Dr. Lewis just read are just pointing to the unity of the spirit. That's why Yahweh says, or Paul says in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that they are without excuse because everything in the world goes by this threefold tabernacle pattern. So now we're going to go and we're going to move on to the next page. And as you can see, this is the page is showing the Moses chart. And the page after that shows the tabernacle and it's labeled, you know, with your numbers, the, the tabernacle pattern correlating to the physical body. And we do have that chart. So I'm going to skip past that. So now the first section we're going to cover tonight in this booklet is anatomy. And it's not all of anatomy. We're just going to cover the brain tonight because this section is a little long. But we're going to go into the brain and how Dr. Uh, how Yahweh gave the inspiration of Dr. Lejeune Gill to correlate these things to the tabernacle pattern and your Bible. Now, she's done things that a lot of medical doctors don't know. I will say most medical doctors don't know. This is why we know that this has come straight from Yahweh. It is a, directly from him through Dr. Kinley that we know these things. None of this is of our own accord. So here we have chapter two, which is anatomy, and this is the brain compared to the Garden of Eden. So we're going to have Dr. Lewis read the diagram, and then we're going to go through it um, once again. So I'm going to have you read the entire thing, Dr. Lewis, and then we'll go back. Okay. Chapter two, anatomy, section A, the brain compared to the Garden of Eden. In the diagram of the brain, we have four ventricles. Mm -hmm. We have the cerebral pentacle. We have the pons on the actual image, if you can see that there. We have the olive. We have the medulla oblongata. We have the brainstem. We have the cerebellum, the arbor vitae, and we have the vermis. The Garden of Eden was a type of heaven, the most holy place. In man, the cranial cavity, the highest part of man's body, represents the most holy place. Contained within the cranial cavity is the brain, likened unto the Garden of Eden, which Yahweh Elohim planted, Genesis 2 and 8 through 15. The brain contains cavities called ventricles. The fourth ventricle is situated in the front of the cerebellum and behind the pons. In the roof of this ventricle are three openings, foramen, by which the ventricle communicates with the subarachnoid cavity and the cerebrospinal fluid circulates. The fourth ventricle communicates with the third and the two lateral ventricles, circulating the fluid or water in the brain. This represents the river in the Garden of Eden that branched into four heads. Okay, so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to bring over a picture, and I'm going to have this picture overlay for Dr. Lewis read, but then I'm going to have you go again, Dr. Lewis, and start that again for me. All right, the Garden of Eden was a type of heaven, the most holy place. Mm -hmm. In man, the cranial cavity, the highest part of man's body, represents the most holy place. Mm -hmm. Contained within the cranial cavity is the brain, like mm -hmm. in the Garden of Eden, which Yahweh Elohim planted. Mm -hmm. The brain contains cavities called ventricles. So he said the brain contains cavities. So ventricles are just spaces 
within the brain. And as you can see here, you have a lateral ventricle. You actually have two. So if you're looking at this uh, picture, what you're looking at, I'm sorry, someone, I need to move someone. If you're looking at this picture, um, the, the brain is, you're looking at it from one slice of the brain. So you're looking at one half of a hemisphere. But this lateral ventricle, there are actually two here. So there's one on one hemisphere and there's one on the other side. So you have your lateral ventricle, you have your third ventricle, which is here. There's a space there. It doesn't look like it, but there's a space there. And then you have your fourth ventricle, which is right here between the pons and the cerebellum. So keep reading, Dr. Lewis. All right. The brain contains cavities called ventricles. Mm -hmm. Fourth ventricle is situated in front of the cerebellum and behind the pons. Mm -hmm. In the roof of this ventricle are three openings, foramen, by which the ventricle communicates with the subarachnoid cavity and the cerebrospinal fluid circulates. Okay, pause right there, Dr. Lewis. So I'm going to bring up another picture because I want you to get this image of what uh, we're talking about. So it says the foramen, the foramen just means a hole. That's, that's what it is. So you'll see here, you'll see interricular foramen and you actually have a hole at the base of your skull where your spine and your, um, your, uh, your nerves go through. So I'm trying to find the, I think I have it here. Okay, yes, this is the one. Okay, so this diagram here shows you the ventricles and the path the fluid in the brain takes to get through those ventricles and to um, as fluid to the brain. So when you hear someone says, you know, they're, they, um, um, the fluid, they may have an excess of fluid in the brain. This is the path this fluid takes. And I know we have Dr. Sasha Rickmanovich on the phone. If there is anything that I'm saying that's wrong, please, this is a school and not a church, please feel free to jump in and correct me. So start that once again, Dr. Lewis, if you don't mind. All right. Mm -hmm. The brain has contains cavities called ventricles. Mm -hmm. The fourth ventricle is situated in front of the cerebellum and behind the pons. So here it is again in green. And then you see your third ventricle is here in red. And your two lateral ventricles, remember, it's one on each hemisphere in blue. Go ahead. In the roof of this ventricle are three openings, foramen, mm -hmm. by which mm -hmm. the ventricle communicates with the subarach subarachnoid cavity and the cerebral spinal fluid circulates. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see here. You see the roof of those ventricles or those openings or holes is how this cerebral spinal fluid circulates and communicates with the brain. Keep going. The fourth ventricle communicates with the third and the two lateral vent ventricles, mm -hmm. circulating the fluid or water in the brain. Mm -hmm. This represents the river in the garden that branched into four heads. Mm -hmm. Now, doesn't this look like a you know a river just flowing? If you you know you're looking at the arrows, the arrows are showing you mm -hmm. the direction that the fluid flows through, but it would look like a river. Keep mm -hmm. going. That's going to the serpent. You. The next page. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next page. Let me grab that really quick. Okay. All right. And we have a uh, diagram of the vermis in the brain mm -hmm. on the right side. Serpent. The cerebellum has two hemispheres, which are connected by an elongated structure 
called the vermis, Latin vermis or worm. This structure resembling a worm is likened into the serpent in the garden at the tree with the woman, Genesis 3 and 1 through 14. Just as it takes the natural or the physical to portray and understand the spiritual or heavenly, we see the physical manifestation of the serpent as the vermis. The serpent in the Garden of Eden was not physical, but an invisible disembodied spirit called Lucifer, the angel that was cast out of heaven and his angels with him. See Revelations 12 and 9. Mm -hmm. The manifestation of this in the human brain is represented by the vagus nerve, which arises out of a groove between the cerebral pentacles and the medulla oblongata, which represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil, just as the serpent was at the tree and enticed the woman Eve. See Genesis 3 and 1 through 6. The vagus nerve means wanderer. It is the only one excuse me, it is the only one of the 12 cranial nerves that leaves its lofty estate and passes through an opening called jugular foramen, accompanied by the accessory nerve passing through the neck to the lowly intestines. Mm -hmm. This wandering nerve represents that satanic spirit that was cast out of heaven into the earth plane. Adam and Eve in the garden were sent forth out of the garden for their transgression for they represent the angels that kept not their first estate and were cast out of heaven into outer darkness or the cool of the day. Eve represents the vagus nerve, deceived angel, and Adam, not deceived, but willingly partaking for his bride, represents the accessory nerve. The physical portrays the spiritual. Okay, so now what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to look at diagrams, but we're also going to go back to our series number two chart or our 40 plate chart to pick up the story that's being portrayed um, here. So Dr. Lewis, if you can go back to the first page where we started reading about the brain so we can pick up the story of Adam and Eve and how it's represented the beginning of Yahweh's creation and the first man and woman is represented in your brain. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. All right. The Garden of Eden was a type of heaven. Okay. Here's Adam and Eve in the garden. Here's Adam and Eve sitting in the garden at peace in the garden. Remember, Yahweh created Adam outside the garden and placed him in the garden. And then Eve, he took out of Adam. So here they are at rest and at peace in the garden of Eden. This represents your most holy place. Go ahead. In, the, in man, the cranial cavity, the highest part of man's body, represents the most holy place. Mm-hmm. Contained within the cranial cavity is the brain, likened unto the Garden of Eden, Eden which Yahweh Elohim planted. Mm. The brain consists of cavities called ventricles. The, the fourth ventricle is situated in front of the cerebellum and behind the pons. Mm -hmm. In the roof of this ventricle are three openings for Raymond, which by which, excuse me, by which the ventricle communicates with the subarachnoid cavity and the cerebrospinal fluid circulates. Now, I'll pause right there for one second. Dr. Uh, Lewis, if you could find in the scripture for me the four, um, the four rivers that came out of the Garden of Eden, because remember, we're talking about those four ventricles and how those spaces, which is ventricles are spaces in the brain, allow that cerebral spinal fluid to circulate throughout the brain, brain excuse me, and it communicate, it allows those ventricles to communicate with one another. 
So here you have where he just read and back up a little bit, Dr. Uh, Duran Lewis, and read that one more time for me. All right. The brain contains cavities called ventricles. Mm -hmm. the fourth ventricle is situated in front of the cerebellum and behind the pons. Mm -hmm. In the roof of this ventricle are three openings or foramen by which the ventricle communicates with the subarachnoid cavity and the cerebrospinal fluid circulates. Okay, so Dr. Lewis, do you have that, that scripture? Yes, that's um, Genesis 2, and um, I'll start at, um, I'll start at 10, I'll read fast. Okay. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. Mm -hmm. And from there, it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pison. It is one which skirts the whole land of Havila, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Um, Dialim and the onyx stone are there. I didn't pronounce that right. That's okay. 13th verse. The name of the second river is Guyon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hydekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is Euphrates. Mm -hmm. So see here, it's, it's, it's so awesome. Yahweh showing and teaching as we're going through this, but you have those four rivers that are, were in the Garden of Eden. And trust me, they correspond to those four ventricles, which have the fluid going through them. And Yahweh willing, you know, either me or another vessel, Yahweh will allow them to uh, correlate those four ventricles with the four rivers that came out of the Garden of Eden. Okay, Dr. Dorian Lewis, you can continue reading, please. All right. The fourth ventricle communicates with the third and the two lateral ventricles, mm -hmm. circulating the fluid or water in the brain. Mm -hmm. This represents the river in the garden that branched into four heads. Mm -hmm. All right, now we're at the serpent. Okay. The cerebellum has two hemispheres, which are connected by an elongated structure called the vermis. Mm -hmm. Latin vermis, which means worm. Right. This structure resembling a worm is likened unto the serpent in the garden at the tree with the woman. Mm -hmm. Genesis 3 and 1 through 14. Just as it takes the natural or the physical to portray and understand the spiritual or the heavenly, we see the physical manifestation of the serpent as the vermis. The serpent in the Garden of Eden was not physical, but an, inv an invisible disembodied spirit called Lucifer the angel that was cast out of heaven and his angels with him, mm -hmm. Revelations 12 and 9. Mm -hmm. The manifestation of this in the human brain is represented by the vagus nerve, mm -hmm. which arises out of a groove between the cerebral pentacles and the medulla oblongata, which mm -hmm. represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. just as the serpent was at the tree and enticed the woman, Eve. Mm -hmm. Genesis 3 and 1 through 6. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and get that scripture, Dr. Williams. So here, now what we're talking about, we're on plate 15, which is the Adamic, uh, actually is the Edemic transgression, because Eve was the one that transgressed um, Yahweh's law. So here, we're talking about the, um, the vagus nerve and how it corresponds to Satan. And remember on that other diagram, and I want to keep switching back and forth, that vagus nerve separated the two hemispheres of the brain. So that corresponds or, or reflects how Satan came between Adam and his bride. That's, that's what 
got them in trouble, that she let him separate or come between the two. You know, you, you often hear when someone gets married, they say, you know, uh, nothing shall separate these two. That's what Satan did. That's what the satanic spirit did. And he did it by convincing her that she was something. She was something that she already was. Or I think I said that incorrectly, but the satanic spirit knows how to appeal to our vanity. And that's what he did to Eve. And that's where that transgression took place. But go ahead and read that, Dr. Lewis, if you have that in the Bible. That's Genesis 3 and 1. Mm -hmm. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Yahweh Elohim had made. Mm -hmm. And he said unto the woman, Hath Elohim said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Mm -hmm. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, Elohim hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, if you remember what Dr. Dorian Lewis just read, and Dr. Lewis, if you could pick that back up, where it talked about uh, that, that serpent representing, represented by that vermis and how it separated or how it, um, yeah, it separated the uh the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I can't, I can't remember how it was worded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just the second paragraph. Mm -hmm. Just as it takes the natural or physical to portray and to understand the spiritual or heavenly, we see the physical manifestation of the serpent as the vermis. Mm -hmm. The serpent in the Garden of Eden was not physical, but an invisible, disembodied spirit called Lucifer, mm -hmm. the angel that was cast out of heaven and his angels with him. The manifestation of this in the human body is represented by the vagus nerve, mm -hmm. which arises out of a groove between the cerebral pentacles and the medulla oblongata, mm -hmm. which represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil, just as the serpent was at the tree and enticed the woman Eve. So the medulla oblongata, and I'm going to try and bring that uh, picture back up, that represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So that's here. And she does talk about that. We're going to go through that. Um, in the, in the uh, pamphlet as well. But that's what this part here represents, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, keep reading, Dr. Lewis. The vagus nerve means wanderer. Mm -hmm. It is the only one of the 12 cranial nerves that leaves this lofty estate and passes through an opening called jugular foramen. Now, as you can see here, you see the angelic transgression is right next to the edemic transgression plate because you're talking about Satan and his demons being cast out. They transgressed or they left their lofty estate as Dr. Lewis just read, and they were cast out into the internal ethereal darkness. So you have to have a representation of that in your physical body and it's represented by that vagus nerve as he's just read, so keep reading. It is the only one of the 12 cranial nerves that leaves its lofty estate and passes through an opening called jugular foramen, mm -hmm. accompanied by the accessory nerve, passing through the neck to the lowly intestines. So if you're passing through the neck, we remember your neck, it will be equivalent to that second veil that separates your holy place from your most holy place. So that, that nerve passes from the holy place into the, I'm sorry, the most holy place, into the holy place. It's leaving its lofty estate. Keep reading. This wandering nerve represents that satanic spirit that was cast out of heaven into the earth plane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now, um, 
Go ahead, doctor. I'm sorry, Dr. Lewis. I need you to go back and pick up um, this transgression for me again. You want me to read or are you waiting for her to get the scripture? Uh, in the scripture. In the scriptures. Okay. Um, Genesis 3 and um, 3. Where did you want me to start back at 1? Yeah, start back at 1. And just for the sake, because it's, it's so many Lewises on this call, I'm going to have to say April and Dorian. Just <laughs> it's oh, not, to, it's not anyway. to disrespect, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. anyway. too many of y'all. <laughs> okay. Too many hoops. Right. Uh, Genesis 3 and 1. Uh-huh. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Yahweh Elohim had made. Mm-hmm. And he said unto the woman, Hath Elohim said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Elohim hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, remember when Dr. Dorian Lewis was reading, he talked about that vagus nerve being equivalent to that now, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he also read that Satan was right there. So he knew what tree, you know, that Yahweh told them not to touch. And that's why he was right there at that tree. He knew exactly what he was doing. Keep reading, April fourth verse Mm -hmm. then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for elohim doth know that in the in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as elohim knowing good and evil Mm -hmm. and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat mm-hmm. and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked mm-hmm. and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So now just in that part there, now we see a condemnation or a coming down in the minds of Adam and Eve. They were in a high and lofty state in the Garden of Eden. They were innocent. They didn't know that they were naked. They were only seeing spiritual things. Remember, there's a scripture that says, and Yahweh walked with Elohim, and he talked with Elohim. So here, you know, that's a high and lofty state to be not even seeing the physical, not even being conscious of things that are physical, from a carnal standpoint and being able to walk and talk with your creator. Now they have partaken of that forbidden fruit, which we know is an olive tree. And she goes into a little bit of that. And we know now that what that did was that brought them down in their mind first, because it has to happen there first. There's always a reason for that. It has to happen in your mind first. And then that body followed some 900 plus years later, but they were now, they have, now come out, they have to come out of this high and lofty state. They have to go and be brought down into the holy place. And that's what she's reading. So continue to read April. Eighth verse. Mm -hmm. And they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim as they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Mm -hmm. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh Elohim amongst the trees of the garden. Pause right there for me, Dr. Lewis. You said something that is really profound and the world once again misses it, but it's only through this divine vision and revelation that we know it. Go back up one verse for me. 
And I want you to read it a little bit slower. Okay. Seventh verse. Mm -hmm. And the eyes of them both were open. Mm -hmm. So now they understood. Now they're thinking carnally. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And they knew that they were naked. Mm -hmm. And they sewed fig leaves together mm -hmm. and made themselves aprons. Mm -hmm. And they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim as they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Pause. Now, remember when Adam and Eve were in their innocent state before they partook of that fruit, the sun remained at its zenith, which is high noon. You all know that's the hottest part of the day is high noon. They were never, that sun never moved. It was always there. That's how you know something happened because all of a sudden the sun started moving or the earth started moving because we know the sun, the earth revolves around the sun. But now you hear they heard Yahweh walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, their minds have already been condemned. They've already lost their heavenly estate from a, uh, from a um, spiritual standpoint. Now they're carnal. Now that sun is going down. And I remember a lecture where Dr. Kelly said, and I thought it was so pretty. The moment Adam touched that fruit, time started. It was like a clock that's standing still at 12 noon. Soon as he touched it, then you hear click, click, click. That is now the cool of the day. So now here the cool of the day is coming because Adam has betrayed or disobeyed Yahweh and taken of that fruit. But it wasn't just to be disobedient. Adam was being the generator or the institutor of what Yahweh, Yahshua Messiah, had to fulfill. So here you see them in the cool of the day because now time has started. Now that sun is moving from its high and lofty state and it's starting to go down, just like Adam is starting to go down. So keep reading. And now you see, you see Satan here as well. See what he was here. Now he's coming down and going out just as they are. And now you see shadows, you see their shadow. When the sun is at high noon, you don't have a shadow when the sun is at high noon. It's when that sun starts moving either up or down that you get a shadow. So keep reading Dr. Lewis. And they, mm -hmm. and they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim as they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh Elohim amongst the trees of the garden. And Yahweh Elohim called unto the man and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Mm -hmm. Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now we all know this story and we know how it goes. And, you know, we have one of our readers who, who's, a, you know, a new parent, you know, baby's only about one years old. And, you know, when you go and ask a child, did you do that? You already know they did it. You're just giving them the opportunity to confess that they did it and not lie to you that they didn't do it. <laughs> So this is what Yahweh is doing. He knew that they did it. He just wants them to confess that they did it. So mm -hmm. go ahead and read. Mm -hmm. Twelfth verse. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest me to be with, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now we're doing the blame game. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the woman, what is this that thou has done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and mm -hmm. I did eat. 
And Yahweh Elohim said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And you can pause right there. Now, I, it, it is so interesting because it wasn't until Yahweh had me in this class for a long time that I understood why this was a serpent. I, if what Yahweh had to actually have me sitting in class when someone's in front of the chart and they said it, and I'm pretty sure I've heard this, you know, a few thousand times, but it's in Yahweh's time that he allowed me to see that it's Moses describing this satanic spirit as a serpent. Moses is having this vision and Moses sees the cunningness of this satanic spirit and the seditiousness of this satanic spirit is like a snake. That's why he called him the serpent. You know, you think about somebody, a man that, and it's usually a man they'll describe and say, oh, he's just a snake. You don't mean that he's, you know, walking around slithering. You mean his, his attributes, his characteristics, they're sly, they're subtle. He just comes in, you don't hear him coming. And all of a sudden you've been bit, you know, now you've been poisoned. That's the attributes of the satanic spirit. He used that one word to poison her, to make her think she was something that she already was. So that's the attributes of a snake, but it was Moses's vision. That's Moses describing that satanic spirit. And I think that is so pretty in the world missed that because they still want to see the devil or Satan as a, as a literal snake or, you know, uh, a red demon with a pitchfork. When it says he was a beautiful angel, the most beautiful angel. So it's only through this divine vision, <clears throat> excuse me, and revelation that we understand these things. Okay, so now I'm going to have uh, Dorian go back to the, the document, and I think we were still at, we're talking about that vagus nerve. And right. I, Okay, go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. All right. This wandering nerve represents mm -hmm. that satanic spirit that was mm -hmm. cast out of heaven into the earth plane. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve in the garden were sent forth out of the garden for their transgression, for they represent the angels that kept not their first estate and were cast out of heaven into mm -hmm. outer darkness. So you see cool. that here, it's in the chart, it's in the plate right next to it. These are Satan and his angels being cast out into outer darkness. Mm -hmm. And that's what Dr. Lewis just read. He said, Adam and Eve being cast out represent those angels that were also cast out. Go ahead. Eve represents the vagus nerve, deceived angel. And mm -hmm. Adam, not deceived, but willingly partaking for his bride, represents the accessory nerve. Mm -hmm. The physical portrays the spiritual. So now what I want you to, I want to show you is, let me see if I think I had a really good diagram of that vagus nerve so you can see how it, how it does wander and comes out of the brain into, uh, into the body, or like it says, the holy place from the most holy place to the holy place. So let me see if this will, this will give you a good representation of it. So if you see here, you have your parasympathetic and sympathetic systems. We're going to go through that one day, uh, Yahweh willing. But see, here's your vagus nerve, and it shows it here. And what this diagram is doing is just showing you every organ that your vagus nerve touches. Now, remember, Satan represents 
that vagus nerve. I know it says Eve does, but we're going to go how that Satan does that because Satan is an opposer to Yahweh, to Yahweh Elohim or to Yahshua, right? So if you think about, if you're looking at this, think about this as the Aya Asha Aya chart, right? Except here they have it separated. So this would be Yahshua because Yahshua is sympathetic to our needs. He's sympathetic to our plights in this flesh. Satan is not sympathetic to the things that we need. So that vagus nerve touches these organs and here you'll see what the vagus nerve does. It slows the heartbeat down. It, and then Yahweh said, then Yahshua said he's a quickening spirit. Satan doesn't want that. He wants to slow you down. That's what that vagus nerve does. So he does the opposite of what Yahshua does. It constricts your bronchi. So those, those little um, olive-like things in your lungs that hold oxygen, it constricts it and makes you when you can't breathe and you need to you know, puff on an inhaler to get it open. See the, the, um, the sympathetic system, it dilates it, it opens it up so you can breathe. That vagus nerve also stimulates periostalysis or secretion. All periostalysis is that's the, the um, little fibers in your stomach that move the food along. So it, it allows it to move along and it, it, it submits a secretion there where on the other side, it inhibits that peristalsis because if you're eating something, you need it to sit for a while so that your body can extract all those nutrients and all that food. If your body is not able to do that and it just goes through, then you're not able to extract those things that you need. So that would be like the, the parasympathetic system or the vagus nerve or Satan, right? So then it also stimulates the release of bile. Now we know bile is very beneficial, but only in certain ways. If you, if you have ever had um, an, a dog, for say, and you see them spit up bile, that's a bad thing. So you don't want the release of bile in certain situations. Here you'll see on the sympathetic side, the conversion, what, what it does here is it converts glycogen to glucose or it converts glycogen to sugar, which is what you need to live. Sugar is energy, it converts to energy. So that vagus nerve, when you think about it, is parasympathetic or it's against Yahshua. Everything that Yahshua says do, that parasympathetic is going to say don't do, or Satan is going to say don't do. So, okay, Dr. Lewis, let's look at, I think that was the last part on that one, right? Right. right yeah. Page. Okay, so now we're going to go to the next page. I'm going to go back. Um, Dr. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's something yeah, I would just I just noticed. Uh, yes, please. When you're talking about this uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic mm -hmm. vagus nerve, all those things on the parasympathetic side though are necessary too. So it's funny how in absolutely there. You thank you, Doctor Lewis. Thank you. You have to have the negative in order to uh, to appreciate the positive. Mm -hmm. You have to have negative and positive to get light. If you don't have a negative and a positive, your lights are not going to come on. So thank you. Right. Satan is operating according to the purpose of Yahweh. He is just, he is needed in this purpose just as much as Joshua is because he has to show, he has to be an opposer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. I really appreciate you bringing that out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go back to our document. And this is page eight. Okay. Uh, this is the cerebellum. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have a diagram of the cerebellum okay. going uh, clockwise from the top. We have the superior 
pentacles, we have the middle pentacles, we have the uh, inferior pentacles, the medulla and stem, we have the olive and the acoustic nerve. Okay, and before you do that, Dr. Lewis, let me, um, I just want to get a better little diagram so they can see. So you can see, so go ahead and repeat that, but I'm going to look at it. I'm going to have everyone look at it on this one. Go ahead. All right. On the uh, cerebellum, we have the superior pentacles. Mm -hmm. We have the middle pentacles. Mm -hmm. We have the inferior pentacles. Mm -hmm. We have the medulla and stem. Medulla and the stem. Mm -hmm. We have the olive. Mm -hmm. So that's the same thing as pines? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then we have the acoustic nerve on there okay it's not okay so let's go ahead and read all right the cerebellum is connected to the rest of the brain by three bundles of nerve fibers called cerebral pentacles these are the sole paths of communication between the cerebellum and the rest of the nervous system pentacles meaning feet are arranged in pairs Genesis states, and they heard the voice of Yahweh, Yahweh walking in the garden. The middle pinnacles represent Adam. He was the go-between for Yahweh Elohim and Eve. The inferior pinnacles represents Eve, the help, excuse me, the helpmate of Adam. Genesis 2 and 15 through 18. Tree of life. Have you get that, April? Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Go ahead. All right. Tree of life. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is shown in the cerebellum, which has a cortex or bark of gray matter. The interior of the, of the cell, excuse me, the interior of the cerebellum has an inverted tree-like pattern of branching, which has been given the name arbor vitae or tree of life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now what I'm gonna do, go back to the diagram. And Dr. Lewis, if you can start that over. Uh, you want me to read the diagram too, or uh, go ahead and read the. You don't have to read the diagram, but just okay. read the um, verbiage. Yes. Please. All right. The cerebellum is connected to the rest of the brain by three bundles of nerve fibers called cerebral pendicles. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. These are the sole paths of communication between the cerebellum and the rest of the nerve nervous system. Mm -hmm. Pendicles, meaning feet, are arranged in pairs. Mm -hmm. superior middle and inferior and that so on here what you see you see it on one side but remember you have two halves mm -hmm. so your superior is here and it's here your middle is here and it's here your inferior is here and it's here and remember he just said that mean feet so that would be two feet two feet here two feet here two feet here mm -hmm. right okay keep reading all right sorry i've been pronouncing that wrong it's peduncles Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> Peduncles, meaning feet, are arranged in pairs, mm -hmm. superior, middle, and inferior. Mm -hmm. These are present in the brain to show that someone was in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. The superior peduncles represent the presence of Yahweh Elohim. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it's superior. It is above the other two. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, Genesis 3 and 8 states, 
as they heard, excuse me, and they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden. Mm -hmm. The middle peduncles represent Adam. Mm -hmm. He was the go-between for Yahweh Elohim and Eve. That's right. So yeah, remember, and, and excuse me, Adam is a forerunner or a representative of Yahshua the Messiah. Right. So if Adam go, is the go-between Eve and Yahweh, then Yahshua the Messiah is the go-between us and Yahweh. Remember, it says that no man cometh to the Father but by me, not the Pope, not your dean, not your sensei, none of them. It's only Yahshua the Messiah that is the go-between, between Yahweh and man. Go ahead. All right. Um, the inferior peduncles represent Eve, mm -hmm. the helpmate of Adam. Mm -hmm. Genesis 2 and 15. Okay. And Dr. Uh, I'm April, go ahead and pick that up, please. Yeah. That's Genesis 2 and 15. Mm -hmm. Then Yahweh Elohim took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And Yahweh Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you sh I'm sorry. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Yahweh Elohim said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make, or I'm reading in the King James, I will make a helper comparable to him. And the holy name bible it says and yahweh elohim i'm sorry this is genesis 2 and 15 in the holy name and yahweh elohim said it is not good that the man should be alone i will make a help suitable for him okay that's good dr lewis so it's just to establish that there was someone that needed to be made to be a help meet for Adam. But remember, we were talking about those pentacles. You have your superior, your middle, and your inferior. That's representing Yahweh, Adam, and Eve. So now go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. I think we're going to move to, did you read the Tree of Life one already? I did, but I'll read it again. Yes, please. All right. Mm -hmm. Tree of Life. Mm -hmm. The Tree of Life was in the midst of the garden. Mm -hmm. This is shown in the cerebellum, which has a cortex or bark of gray matter. Mm -hmm. The interior of the cerebellum has an inverted tree-like pattern of branching, which has been given the name Arbor Vitae or the tree of life. So remember, he talked about that tree of life within the midst. So remember, your cerebellum has two hemispheres, just like your brain. It has one on either side. So this tree was in the middle. And remember, he just said that tree of, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was right in the midst of the garden. So you have to have something in your brain that either looks like or has the, the um, origin where its name means tree. And so we have here the tree of life or the arbor vitae. And you see that a lot in jewelry. People will have a tree and it's the tree of life because they understand, you know, from a carnal standpoint what it is, but they don't have any, any idea from a spiritual point, standpoint what it is. So that's what Dr. Lewis just read. This is what he's describing. This is in in your brain, this arbor vitae or tree of life. So keep, um, so now I think we're moving to page nine. All right. Okay. The medulla oblongata represents mm -hmm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And we have a diagram on the left of uh, the medulla oblongata, mm -hmm. the pituitary gland, the pons, 
the olive, mm -hmm. uh, and the stem. Mm -hmm. All right. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis mm -hmm. 17. Mm -hmm. The medulla oblongata comprises the base of the brainstem. Mm -hmm. It is called the spinal bulb. A bulb gives off light. Light, mental or spiritual illumination, is knowledge. The medulla contains vital reflex centers and reflex activities. Vital equals life, as life and death matters. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was a life and death matter to Adam and Eve, who partook of the tree, causing their death. Genesis mm -hmm. 3 and 3 through 6. Mm -hmm. Situated in the medulla portion is the olive. The nucleus, or core, sends impulses to and receives impulses from the cerebellum. These olivary nuclei are small, round, yellowish cells which depict the fruit on the tree of which Adam and Eve partook. It is stated in Romans 1, 19 and 20, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. Mm -hmm. The physical must be converted to the spiritual reality in order to be of value. Therefore, the knowledge of how the brain correlates with the Garden of Eden is of no real value to us unless we see the spiritual correlation or reality of a garden. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going, Dr. Lewis. And Yahweh shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. That's Isaiah 58 and 11. In this present age and dispensation of grace, whereas the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh, Joel 2 and 28, Zechariah 12 and 10, and Acts 2 and 1 through 4, the sons of Yahweh, John 3 and 1, 1 John 3 and 1, the sons of Yahweh are now partaking of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of Yahweh Elohim, Revelations okay. 2 and 7. Thank you so much, Dr. Will. So now I'm going to have him read it again, but I'm going to bring on a different diagram that maybe has a little bit better drawing so that we can see what he read. And then I'm going to have uh, April pick up those scriptures. So go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. All right. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So remember that's here. That's represented by the cerebellum, which is the arvertai. And this one, it really does look like a tree. Go ahead. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis mm -hmm. 2 and 17. Mm -hmm. The medulla comprises the base of the brainstem. It's here. Mm -hmm. It is called the spinal bulb. Mm -hmm. A bulb gives off light. Mm -hmm. Light, mental or spiritual illumination, is knowledge. Mm -hmm. The medulla contains vital reflex centers and reflex activities. Vital equals life, as life and death matters. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was a life and death matter to Adam and Eve, who partook of the tree, causing their death. Situated in the medulla portion is the olive. The nucleus or core sends impulses to and receives impulses from the cerebellum. Mm -hmm. These olivary nuclei are small, round, yellowish cells which depict the fruit on the tree of which Adam and Eve partook. I will try to um, grab a picture of that um, 
most of the pictures I saw, they're more um, real life pictures and I don't wanna gross anybody out. This kind of stuff fascinates me. So I'll try and find a more um, a cartoonish picture to show of those uh, little little olives on the trees. But go ahead, yeah. Dr. Lewis. All right. It is stated in Romans 1, 19 and 20, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. The physical must be converted to the spiritual reality in order to be of value. Therefore, the knowledge of how the brain correlates with the Garden of Eden is of no real value to us unless we see the spiritual correlation or reality of a garden. Okay, pause right there. So remember how we went through on the 40 plate chart, um, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And when we look at that here, you see that these trees, remember when Yahweh placed Adam in that garden, everything was in fruition. There was nothing that, excuse me, needed to be grown or he had to wait for. Everything was there. So when you think about, remember it said those little um, olives, olives or old lib. They were on that, they're in that arborvitae or tree of life. So you have to have a representation of that in the physical, in the Garden of Eden, where you see fruit on the trees or those little, those little um, uh, circular, we'll say circular things. We know they're fruit, but that speak to what's in your brain. So those, those give off oxygen. They, they, um, they do, and I think it's said in there, and I'm looking at my book, uh, the medulla contains vital reflex centers and reflex activities. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was a life and death matter to Adam and Eve. So that portion of your brain that houses that, that is what determines whether you are, you know, you'll have someone, and we had um, a brother in, that, you know, went through that and that has passed on, where they said, you know, there was no brain activity. It was just those vital functions that were left. That means that those, those messages were no longer being communicated. So there was nothing there. So see, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Once Eve took of that fruit and gave it to Adam, their communication was cut off from the father. Now you have to go, you have to go down. There has to be uh, a coming down from Adam and Eve, from the most holy place to the holy place, because that connection has been lost. That, that's no longer there. That's why they had to be kicked out of the garden because they're spiritually dead. From a spiritual standpoint, they're dead. And that followed once again, some 900 and something years later with Adam dying 930 years later. So go ahead and continue to read Dr. Lewis. And Yahweh shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not, Isaiah 58 and 11. In this present age and dispensation of grace, whereas the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh, the sons of Yahweh are now partaking, in the partaking of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of Yahweh Elohim. Mm -hmm. So now Yahweh has elevated his sons by giving them a knowledge of him as he really is and actually exists. Now we are in physical bodies partaking of heavenly things. So we, as the sons, we are now in that 
holy place, looking into and taking part of things that are in the most holy place. So now, Dr. Um, April Lewis, I need you to pick up the scriptures, and I'm going to bring the um, document back over so you can see them. I need you to pick up uh, Joel 2 and 28, Zechariah 12 and 10, and Acts 2 and 1 through 4. Okay, that's Joel 2 and 28. Mm -hmm. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh mm -hmm. and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old man shall dream dreams. Your young man shall see visions. Now, isn't that what we're doing now? That's exactly what we're doing on this call. Mm -hmm. We are the sons of Yahweh Elohim. We, he has given us a vision. And he shared it with us through the divine vision and revelation he gave to Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley. Mm -hmm. Now what we're doing, we're prophesying, we're talking about this beautiful, beautiful gospel that Yahweh has given us. We're telling you about heavenly things and we're showing you how they're represented in the earth plane and the physical. So now pick up the second scripture. Zechariah 12 and 10. Mm -hmm. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. Mm -hmm. And they shall look up toward him whom they have peers, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his, mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Mm -hmm. So we here in the spirit, we are partaking of this heavenly food of Yahshua the Messiah, but we're mourning for those that we have lost. We're mourning the, and groaning to come out of his flesh with the things that are going on. But because we know what we know, we know it's all in Yahweh's purpose, his pattern, his plan, and his, in his time that we'll all be free from these physical bodies. So keep going. Read your next scripture. That's Acts 2 and 1. Mm -hmm. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, mm -hmm. while they were all with one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, mm -hmm. and it filled all the house where, where they were sitting. Mm -hmm. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and rested upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Mm -hmm. So now here that Yahweh has poured out his spirit to us and he's given us an understanding of this divine vision and revelations. When we talk to people about this gospel, we're speaking as in other tongues to them. We're not babbling. Blah, 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 blah. We're not doing that. We're saying things that they cannot understand, but the sons understand. That's the other tongues. This is what we're doing now. This is what Yahweh has blessed us with to speak a second language. That language is spiritual. And only those who have that spiritual tongue or that spiritual understanding can understand it. Okay, now pick up 1 John 3 and 1. That's 1 John 3 and 1. Mm -hmm. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, the world knoweth us not. Because See, they don't know us. So now when we have Romans 119, when we have Romans, the first chapter read, it says saints. We're not saints. We're sons. Saints is someone that's canonized in the Catholic church. And remember what Dr. Kinley said is we are Catholic. Catholics, Catholic means universal. 
we're not Roman Catholic. That's the physical. But Catholic means universal. The universal church is the assembly of Yahshua the Messiah. Everything and everyone else are Protestants or protesting of that. So we are sons. We are not saints. We are sons of Yahweh Elohim. So read that over for me again, because I love that scripture, how beautiful it is. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Read that again for me, Dr. Lewis. I'm sorry. Okay. First John three and one. Mm -hmm. Oh, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. We are called sons. We are not called saints. And mm -hmm. this is the love that Yahweh has for us that he called you a son. That's right. Okay. Now pick up um, the last scripture, which is Revelation 2 and 7. Okay, that's Revelation 2 and 7. Mm -hmm. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the assemblies. Mm -hmm. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, mm -hmm. which is in the midst of the garden of Yahweh. Didn't we just talk about that? We talked about that with that Arbor Vitae. Mm -hmm. as represented in your brain, but we also talked about it with Adam and Eve in the garden, at peace in the garden, and that's where we want to go back to. We are, I won't say trying to, Yahweh already has us there. From a spiritual standpoint, we are here. We are in physical bodies in a heavenly state. We are eating of that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the spiritual sense and that Yahweh is showing us the two mysteries that are operating throughout this earth plane. And he's showing us how we as sons of Yahweh Elohim are trying to illuminate those that are not illuminated, trying to give them an understanding. And you see here, you see the tree, the two trees, which represent, which also represent the law and the prophets. This is the side we wanna be on. We wanna be on the side of righteousness. We want to allow people to know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. And that's what these classes are aimed to do. That's why Dr. Kinley, Yahweh through Dr. Kinley set up these schools and not churches so that we can come and learn of our heavenly father as he really is and actually exists. So once again, this series that we're gonna go through now is um, a series is called the Science of the Mind series. And it's based on this booklet that Yahweh had Dr. Lejeune Gill do in her workshop, which is the rising sun or, the, or science and image of the creator. We're gonna try and finish this, um, this booklet with, through each of our green charts, our green chart Thursday, excuse me, my mouth is so dry because I've been talking so long. We're gonna try and finish this booklet, but in the hopes of showing you how everything, everything in the universe goes by this pattern. And you'll see this here, you'll see we have this in a lot of our pamphlets where it shows you all these sciences in the world and how they are around this tabernacle pattern because what they are showing you is that all of these, no matter what you're into, you can ask Yahweh to show you how it goes by the pattern and he will show it to you. Even history goes by the pattern, geography goes by the pattern, mathematics. Mathematics is one that I love too because it's absolute. You can't say one plus one is three. It's always one plus one is two. It's absolute. You can't come up with new math, which I understand now. I don't have kids that young, but they have a new way of learning math, but it's a new way of learning it. It's not, the outcome is still the same. And that's what we learn about our creator. 
He right. is absolute. He is the all in all. He does not change. He is infallible. There are no mistakes in Yahweh. Yahweh is the Terminius at Quim, the Terminius at Quim. He is the all in all. He is the finisher. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. And that is why we're doing these sessions. That is why Yahweh has moved us to do what we do because we love what he has shown us. And we hope to impart some of that, just a part of that, to anyone that views these classes on YouTube and listen to them on Spotify. Our hope is that Yahweh gives someone a spark of understanding so that they can understand what we have been partakers of in this flesh. So with that, um, our next green chart day, we will go over, let's see, that is. Muscular system. Is that what it is next? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So the next one, we're going to go through section B, which is the muscular system. That'll be our next green chart Thursday. Hopefully that'll be in two weeks, but uh, once again, we'll see how Yahweh, how it goes with Yahweh. So with that, I am going to um, stop talking because my mouth is extremely dry and I am going to ask um, Dr. Sasha if he has anything he wanted to contribute. If not, I will definitely uh, give someone else a chance to maybe elaborate on what was said. Dr. Rick Malovich. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yes, we can. Great. I, I really enjoyed uh, the presentation. It's it's uh, it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of information mm-hmm. there, and uh, the important thing. I mean, I'm a I'm a scientist. I've been a scientist for forty years. And uh, I also went to a medical school. And in the medical school, we learn uh, what and when and uh, what different organs do. And we uh, learn all this uh, uh, medulla oblongata, all different names. I mean, uh, I remember in back in uh, Soviet Russia, we had to learn the uh, medical terms and even one bone uh, in the in the brain have like about eighty different names of different things in these bones. Mm-hmm. I remember, and we had to do it in Russian and in Latin, mm-hmm. in two languages. Like mm-hmm. medulla oblongata, it's from Latin because uh, it was like a language uh, uh, historically for medical uh, doctors. So we. We had all this di- different information, but I never asked this question, why? Why we made this, why people are this way, why there are different organs, why, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, it's a, a spleen on this side and liver on this side, and mm-hmm. why there is a, a large intestine and small intestine and all these things. And when uh, you have, if you have a discussion with atheists and people of the world and people can mock, you know, um, us who go to the school and uh, teach about Yahweh, because they would say, look, you know, it's all, you know, faith, it's all blind faith. Uh, You cannot prove anything. It's not the science. It's not a science. So 
uh, and uh, I know it in my field, you know, if people know that believing in Yahweh, mm -hmm. you know, they, they mock me. And, but people assume that the science can answer all different questions. Actually, by definition, the science cannot answer the question why. Mm -hmm. For what reason? It's not the question for science. This is actually a question for uh, what we do for spiritual people. And that's, mm -hmm. and we know why, because uh, Yahweh uh, created uh, everything. So I want to uh, contribute uh, really a little bit about for two, three minutes. Can I, uh, would it be possible for me to share the screen? Absolutely. Let me see if I remember how to do it so Dr. Lewis doesn't poo poo me because I always forget disable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I don't got it. Where is it, Dorian? <laughs> uh, go to the share button and then click. Uh, I think I think it's that little arrow that says. Okay. Uh, there we go. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Great, so now I can share it. Yes. So what I would like to share, and I think, uh, uh, let's see, you see this chart before mm -hmm. you, the Moses yes. chart? Yes. And I think we talked about it. We talk about um, uh, this particular, it's talking about the brain, about the circle of Willis mm -hmm. uh, in, in one of the uh, yes. uh, things. But I want to talk about one, particular thing, I don't know if it was covered or not. Now, we know that about uh, John 1 and uh, 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. And we know how Yahweh in his pure spirit state took on shape and form as uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim. Mm -hmm. And we also liken it to the crucifixion because he really left his uh, high and lofty state and he uh, restricted and condensed himself and, and he started uh, start working. He created everything. So it was like, um, you know, coming from the state of, as Dr. Kinley said, ontological perfection right. into a different uh, state when he uh, put on his working clothes, so, so to speak, and started working. So it's manifested in the brain by the circle of Willis. You can see the brain, which is likened to Yahweh. And you can see this, um, uh, the circle of Willis, which are blood vessels on the base of the brain. And it looks like a red man. So mm -hmm. this is the figure of crucifixion. This is the figure of uh, Elohim. And we know we talked about it. But another interesting thing about this um, circle of Willis, that according to the uh, medical uh, professionals, this uh, circle of Willis, which is very important, you know, for uh, feeding our uh, brain, entire brain, and to, it helps to alert a stroke that uh, this circle of Willis 
in uh, most of the people, it's not complete. It's complete, it says in the medical uh, uh, dictionary, only in one third of the people. What does it mean spiritually? Mm. I would like you to uh, read Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. So Zechariah 13, 8 yes. and 9. Okay. 8 and, and 9. Mm -hmm. Zechariah 13 and 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, save Yahweh, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, he is my Elohim. Right. So uh, uh, allegorically or symbolically using the numbers, Yahweh say, taking one third of Israel as his people, or it's like remnant. Mm -hmm. And two thirds are cut off and one remnant is saved and it goes, you know, uh, through the fire. And this is a, a separate lecture uh, about mm -hmm. it. So, and uh, uh, I think it's in Colossians 2 and 9, it says we are complete in him who is the head of the all principalities and powers. So it's when one third of the people have complete uh, representation or let's put it this way, or completed in Yahshua, the Messiah, as it shows in, a, in anatomy of the brain with a circle of willis, the same principle. And uh, we can ask why it's happening. And uh, you know, the couple thing, I just don't want uh, to take all six minutes which are left because I'm sure there's other people want to add something. But you remember that in the Revelation 12 chapter, when uh, Satan, Satan and his angels were cast out from mm -hmm. heaven. Mm -hmm. So it was one, one third of the angels were cast out from heaven. So mm -hmm. this is one third from the earth plane who are believers in Yahshua, the Messiah, including us on this Zoom. They are kind of grafted in into the heavenly uh, places, uh, replacing these uh, satanic angels, mm -hmm. which are cast out. And another quick thing, you know, I was thinking why it's one third. One third is representing Yahshua the Messiah. We are in Yahshua the Messiah. He lived 33 years. 33, it's one third mm -hmm. of 100 or mm -hmm. one third of the whole. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you so much, Dr. Rikmanovich. I, I, I enjoyed that. I always appreciate those those nuggets or pearls that Yahweh gives us because it's just it's just awesome. Um, does anyone else, we have about five minutes left or four minutes actually, have anything else that they want to contribute or anything that I may have misspoken on? Let me know. not okay so once again what we're going to do um, next the next time 
we meet for the green chart, we're going to try and go over um, the muscular system. That's the next portion of the book. And um, I say if, because, you know, I have to read through it and ask Yahweh for the inspiration, but a lot of times, you know, I'll just read through it and he gives it to me as I'm talking. So that will be our next portion. It's kind of short. It's only a couple pages. So we may combine that, Dorian, with um, the crucifixion portrayed in the thoracic cavity. Okay. I'm thinking, yeah, we may combine those two. That it seems to be pretty short. So um, mm-hmm. once again, thank you, um, Dr. Rikmalovich. I really enjoyed that and that insight. And we really do enjoy when we have so many brethren coming to visit with us. This, this is a school, as we keep saying, it's not a church. So what Yahweh has allowed us to do is to go through different, um, different areas of science and different items in the universe that correspond to the green chart and has allowed us to show how they absolutely go by the pattern. As Dr. Rick Malovich was saying, you know, you have atheists or scientists that still can't answer the question of why, but Yahweh has allowed us in these classes and these Zooms to answer the question of why by going through this divine tabernacle pattern and showing how everything goes by the pattern and how it operates according to the purpose, pattern, and plan of Yahweh. We are, in, in a sense, answering that universal question of why. Every single time we meet and go through these things, we're answering that question of why. Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Why, why, why? Keep coming to these classes and Yahweh will keep revealing to you the why of it all. And if you look at those letters and why, and we'll go through just a chart really, really quick. So we only got a couple seconds left. Alicia, I want to one, one thing real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Dr. Lewis. No, go ahead and finish what you're doing. No, I was just going to say, if you look at the letters and why, they're in Yahweh. Yahweh is the why. So go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Okay, I wanted to bring up a point, and I'm sure it was just mm-hmm. an innocent statement. At the beginning of it, we you had the um, series number two chart pulled up, mm-hmm. and uh, the comment was made that going showing the... Uh, plate number two with the attributes of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And you, you made the statement say, this is this shows it the right way. Mm-hmm. And that would allude to the fact that on the Moses chart, it was shown the wrong way, but it's not. Oh no, I, I meant the other chart. So we have another 40 plate chart and I'm glad you said that. So this mm-hmm. 40 plate chart, you see how they have um, the supernal nature first, then theosophy, then the pattern. Mm-hmm. And it should be the pattern should be first, then theosophy, then uh, the supernal nature. So I'm sorry, I, I did misspeak on that. Okay, this is someone else's chart. This is not. This is this is Lloyd Lawless, his forty plate chart. Yeah. Okay. So those that... are the three that are out of the order. Mm-hmm. Well, we shouldn't be using that chart then if we have the series number two original. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I appreciate that. And that was a misstep. And I'm, I apologize to everyone. I didn't mean it was out of order on the Moses chart. I mean, it was out of order on the other 40 plate chart. Okay. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that, Dr. Lewis. And uh, that does conclude our lecture for today. We want to once again, thank everyone for coming out to visit with us. We really do appreciate your attendance and your participation. We hold our classes here on Zoom every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
and on Sundays from 1130 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now let us all stand in our hearts and minds and give reverence to our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, through the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before all time, now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.